Hello and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Chagas researcher Nikki Byrne to discuss if red clover has a role on Irish beef farms and to find out about the upcoming National Beef Conference taking place on the 13th of December in the Shearwater Hotel Banisloe at 6pm. Nikki, you're very welcome. Given the rising costs of fertiliser and feed, for beef farmers, what do you see as the benefits to red clover? There's many, many benefits of red clover. And I suppose you pointed out the, the direct economic benefit because of red clover's ability to fix um, nitrogen from the atmosphere and make it available to plants growing in the soil. So obviously that can displace, you know, expensive fertiliser out of our beef production systems. But not only, you know, displacing that fertiliser, we know that there's potential benefits in terms of animal performance on the back of including red clover on their diets. Um, so really, you know, it's a combination of reducing the nitrogen imported into our farms in the form of chemical fertilizer, uh, you know, reducing the need to import other protein sources in the form of concentrate to be fed to our animals. And also we can get higher levels of animal performance potentially from including red clover in the diet. So a combination of, you know, reducing the nitrogen brought into the system and still increasing or maintaining an animal performance can improve the nitrogen balance, the farm gate nitrogen balance of our beef production system. So that's a really important credential, not only for the economics, but also for the environmental sustainability of our beef production systems. Nikki, despite all those benefits, there's been limited uptake to red clover. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think one of the big limitations to the uptake of red clover in our farm systems was, you know, historically, you know, fertilizer inputs were relatively uh, cheap uh, in comparison to where they are now today. Uh, but not only that, you know, there's more complex management required. And, and the reason there is a different type of management required is because of the, the agronomy of, of the, the red clover plant. So we know that the red clover plant, you know, is probably a lot more vulnerable to physical damage by machinery or grazing animals. And it's that plant structural difference that kind of makes red clover more suited to intensive silage cutting rather than a grazing system. So that reduced grazing ability of a red clover, you know, probably complicated it somewhat in terms of the management and the flexibility, you know, to fit in to our beef production systems, which typically, you know, have a very blended approach between silage cutting and aftermath grazing. So, you know, some of those differences, you know, the reduced persistency, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe four to five year lifespan of a red clover sward, you know, has been one of the big off-putters because of the higher fixed costs associated with reseeding. And so far this year, how have the red clover swords performed in Grange? Yeah, so I suppose we have a, a range of red clover swords of, of differing ages. So if we just take, for example, the, the two-year-old, uh, the two to three-year-old red clover swords that we have, and if we take a look at the total dry matter production produced from those swords, while managed under a zero chemical nitrogen three cut system, you know, those swords have finished up um, with, uh, you know, producing, you know, 19.3 tonnes dry matter uh, across the year. But I suppose the big question we have is, you know, how long can we sustain over how many years can we sustain these high levels of dry matter production? And what is the animal response, you know, from the herbage produced from these systems? That's what's of real interest to us. 
and to see you know what, what the, the potential or the contribution to our overall farm system can be. And following on from the three-cut system, have them paddocks had to be grazed this year or how have they been managed for the back end of the year because there's been good growth on farms? Absolutely, yeah. So our system that, that we're implementing, you know, um, look, it's incorporated into our dairy have to beef production system that we have at Grange. And, you know, what we've found works best for us is a three-cut silage system. So our first cut been taken in early May, and that's really important that the first cut is, is taken early. And there's a number of reasons for that. Obviously, you're going to have really good quality herbage in the earlier cutting dates, but you're also you know, allowing light penetrate the sward and encourage a higher percentage of clover for cuts two and three. Um, and we want to have that third cut, you know, completed by early September. Uh, and then I suppose, look, we've had very good growth in the autumn um, of the last number of years. Uh, and this year was no exception. So we found ourselves, you know, needing to go in and graze those swords. So we just grazed them. They're the last paddocks that we grazed this year. So we grazed them, you know, from probably the 1st up to the 5th of December, uh, cleaned off all the herbage on them. And there was probably a cover of 1,500 on them. So cleaned them off and they're set up and ready to go um, for, for uh, silage cutting uh, next May. So they'll just receive uh, 3,000 gallons of slurry uh, come early February. With, uh, and that will be applied via low emissions uh, slurry spreading technique. And that is the only... Uh, you know, nutrient application that those swords will receive, you know, um, up, up uh, for their first cut silage. And you mentioned there the management that's required. How were they managed when the stock were grazing them? Yeah, so I suppose, look, with any, you know, um, crop that has a high percentage of legumes, be it red or white clover, you know, we have to be extra diligent in how we manage that grazing to avoid the, or reduce the risk of bloat on those high clover crops. So really what we do, we make sure that animals, you know, aren't restricted in their intake prior to going on to those red clover crops, you know, and that avoids the risk of animals gorging themselves or actively selecting out the clover within the sward. Uh, also, what we do, we provide a, a fibre source. Look, the dry matter can be really low, you know, in, in that late autumn, uh, winter time when we're grazing these crops. So we provide a fibre source in the form of high quality barley straw. And we also uh, probably, you know, give 24-hour allocations to the animals to make sure they eat the entire uh, sward offer, that they're not just selecting out the clover, that they eat the clover and the grass that's present. And also we do uh, put uh, bloat oil in the water. Um, but look, at that time of the year, with very low dry matter grass, maybe 14 15% dry matter, you know, they're probably not drinking a lot of water. So you have to put in, you know, a multiple and management um, management strategies to try and reduce the risk of bloat. But look, thankfully, uh, you know, we, we've had no issues because of the careful management and the good stockmanship that, that is going in, in put in place. From the silage samples that you've taken for the red clover, how have the results compared to either the grass only silage or the grass clover silage that you'd have made around the same time? Yeah, so look, it varies quite a bit. If we take the first cuts cut in early May, you know, we have to take into account that there's a lower clover proportion at that time of year. So our first cut red clover silage is about 37% red clover. It's cut in early May. Um, and it's probably very comparable to our um, to our first cut uh, perennial ryegrass only uh, sward. The only difference we would have seen uh, in this year's samples and repeated across years is that although similar digestibility, 
in the first cut, we see um, probably a lower crude protein value in our red clover silage at that time. And that's because of the nitrogen application. We must remember that there's no chemical nitrogen applied to our red clover plots. So they came back at 12.5% protein in the silage, whereas with the conventionally managed perennial ryegrass getting you know, uh, you know, 100 units of chemical nitrogen for that first cut, they're coming back, you know, with maybe 14% crude protein. But we must remember that the, the nitrogen in our plants is, is an indirect measure of our crude protein value. So that probably, you know, is one thing. There's probably better quality protein in our red clover silage crops and maybe more protein available um, for production in the animal. But just the crude values might seem a little bit lower um, but, uh, uh, you know, we have to understand how these proteins uh, interact with the animal and how they become available at a later stage. If we move on to the second and third cuts, uh, you know, we can see really, really high percentages of clover. We're up on 88% red clover on a dry matter basis in those second and third cut silages. And we, we do see, you know, probably up on 16% crude protein on, on our grass crops and lower in our in our perennial ryegrass only and also what we did see you know at that very high level of clover we have seen that we probably there is a reduction in the digestibility of that silage and um, and that probably is expected if we just imagine the, the 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 red clover plant you can see it, a very tall upright sward and for that sward structure you know there's a lot of fibrous material within the clover plant to support that plant structure. And we probably capture that a little bit in the pit. But, you know, we don't want to underestimate the, 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 how that clover breaks down or that fibre breaks down in the animal is somewhat different to our perennial ryegrass. And, you know, despite the lower digestibility at times, we can see higher levels of dry matter intake, which in turn can support similar or increased animal uh, performance in a lot of cases. So that's look one of our big questions uh, that we'll be testing out this year and next year on weanlings and on finishing cattle is, you know, what is the intake potential of these red clover silages? What is the, the animal performance uh, that is possible? What's the conversion efficiency of, of, of these animals in terms of the feed they eat and turning that into additional carcass gain? You know, those are a lot of the big, big questions we have, you know, around red clover and to try and get a better understanding of it. From the research that you've done so far, Nikki, and from the research project that you've outlined, in your opinion, has red clover a role on beef farms? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a massive, massive role on every farm. So it's not only, you know, it, it's across all types of beef systems of high, low and medium intensity, there's a role for red clover. Uh, and, you know, if we look at the economics, Peter Doyle, our grassland researcher here at Chagas Grange has compared, you know, our, our you know, three-cut red clover system uh, to a two-cut silage system in terms of the economic benefits of it. And I suppose, you know, Peter has identified, you know, the different strategies that we can optimize to improve the economic return from red clover. But if we just start off at, the, at you know, at a basic comparison, there's probably a €3.30 advantage per bale of a red clover system over a conventional uh, grass two-cut system. But we know that if we can, you know, make better use of our animal slurry and go to an all-slurry uh, red clover system, 
you know, that economic advantage of the red clover increases up to six euros 30 per bale. And then if we can improve the persistency of these red clover swords from four years up to six years, we can get that economic advantage up to eight euros 30 a bale. And if we saw, you know, an increase in fertilizer price, which, you know, is quite possible, um, if we saw that go up by 25% again, uh, you know, that would actually, you know, push that economic advantage of a red clover bale of silage, you know, 10 euros ahead of where our perennial ryegrass uh, bale is. So look, the, the, there's an economic potential there, just a direct comparison, but that isn't taking into account the potential for extra animal performance. Uh, and I, I think, you know, a combination of those, you know, if the management can be got right and optimized and really tailored to suit the red clover plant, you know, I think we can, we can really, you know, there's an untapped potential there for every type of uh, uh, and production system in Ireland at the moment. Nikki, you'll be covering this in more detail next week at the Chagas National Beef Conference in the Shearwater Hotel Banislow next Tuesday, the 13th of December at 6pm. What's in store on the night? Yeah, so look, on the night, we're going to outline, you know, what the, the potential, the limitations and the opportunities that exist would include in red clover into your beef production system. Uh, and myself and Peter Doyle will be there in the night, you know, to take any questions uh, from, from the audience and just, you know, to give farmers the information to, to help make, a, you know, a very informed decision, you know, whether or not red clover has a role on their uh, beef farm. And we'll also hear, you know, some farmers' experiences that have incorporated red clover, you know, from, from Martin Connolly uh, in, in Roscommon. He's incorporated some red clover into his dairy uh, beef production system. So we'll hear, you know, some of Martin's experience as well, you know, uh, how he's finding it, why he's chosen red clover and, and what it's delivering for him. In store on the night, uh, we'll have a, a range of speakers, you know, delivering a, a really detailed papers on different technologies that can help improve, you know, their farm businesses. I suppose that's going to begin with, with uh, Dr. Paul Crossan, our beef enterprise leader here at Chagas Grange, who's going to go through the key profit drivers of our beef production systems. We'll have uh, Dr. Natasha Murnier uh, from Animal Health Ireland. We'll, we'll discuss, you know, the importance of animal health and what that can mean to our businesses. And we've Dr. Colin Byrne, who's going to, you know, outline, you know, the importance of reducing that age at first calving in our heifers, uh, you know, in our soaked beef systems. And obviously, you know, we're going to talk about red clover and how it can complement some of these other uh, technology areas in improving overall uh, farm profits. And, 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 you know, the evening will close with, with a panel discussion that's going to focus on how to deliver, you know, greater sustainability at farm level as well. That's great. Thanks, Nikki. Further details are available on the Chagas website and the link will be provided in the podcast text on the upcoming National Beef Conference. Thanks, Catherine, and we look forward to speaking to everyone on the night. That's all for this week's episode, and my thanks to Nikki for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie, or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan, and thanks for listening.